G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. It's a time of stress, short tempers and insecurity. Pastor Greg Laurie points us to Joseph as inspiration for the way we should live. We're in a culture that does not value forgiveness today. We're uptight, we're angry, we're very prone to sue, we're a very litigious culture. We have road rage, we have cyberbullying, and we prize revenge and payback as virtues. But Joseph shows us a better way. The way of forgiveness. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Doesn't it seem like some people on social media are just looking for a fight? If something displeases them, they attack, and then someone else attacks right back. Has it come to that? Is that the new norm for human interaction? Glad you're along today on A New Beginning, as Pastor Greg Laurie shows us a better way, a higher way. We'll see God shows us a fresh prescription for life, demonstrated in the lives of some remarkable people who rose above. in a culture today in search of real heroes. I don't even know if we know what a hero is anymore. You know, we use the term very loosely. We have a hero sandwich. You can start there. Well, I kind of like those, by the way. And if someone can, you know, dunk a basketball, whether a sports hero or play eight chords, maybe only four on an electric guitar, they're a guitar hero. Now those are fine things to do, but there's nothing heroic about those things. I think we live in a culture that has a lot of celebrities, but very few heroes. One person summed it up this way. uh, The hero is known for achievements. The celebrity is known for well-knownness. The hero reveals the possibilities of human nature. The celebrity reveals the possibilities of the press and the media. Celebrities are people who make news, but heroes are people who make history. Time makes heroes, but dissolves celebrities. I like that one line in particular. Celebrities are people who make news, but heroes are people who make history. That is certainly what we have before us in this particular story. We have a young man named Joseph who was a true hero and he changed his world. There's a lot of things we can learn from young Joseph. One of them is how to overcome adversity. He had the deck stacked against him. His life showed very little promise. He was actually the 12th of 13th children. Kind of a spoiled young man given to visions of grandeur. He was a teenager, he liked to sleep in. But God gave to him dreams. And in fact, in the beginning his dreams got him into trouble, but in the end, other people's dreams got him out of trouble. 
In the story of Joseph, we discover how we can overcome envy, how we can face adversity, how we can resist sexual temptation and have faith in the promises of God. But the most significant takeaway, I think, in the life of Joseph is how to forgive those who have horribly wronged you. And you know, we're in a culture that does not value forgiveness today. We're uptight, we're angry, uh, we're, we're very prone to sue, we're a very litigious culture. We have road rage, we have cyber bullying, and we prize revenge and payback as virtues. But Joseph shows us a better way, the way of forgiveness. And all that he went through, he was able to say, to his brothers who betrayed him, and we'll get to that in a moment. It was not you who sent me here, but God. If Joseph were to have a life verse, this verse hadn't been written when he was alive, because this is the book of Genesis, but if he had a life verse, it would have surely been Romans 8.28, which says, so we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And by the way, if anyone could have had an excuse for churning out bad, it was Joseph. I mean, he lived in the middle of a family dominated by lying, deceit, immorality, manipulation, even murder. He could have blamed his mom and dad for all of the problems of his life. He could have played the victim card big time. And for 17 years, he put up with this nonsense. Yet amazingly, he turned out to be a very godly young man with a sterling character. You can basically divide Joseph's life up into three sections. His start, his struggle, and his success. His start was basically birth to 17 years while he was growing up. He was a son of Jacob's true love, Rachel, and he was hated by his brothers. And that antagonism and hostility toward him, fueled by envy, was beginning to brew. Then there was his struggle from age 17 to 30, where he was elevated and then falsely accused of rape and actually served prison time. But the Lord was preparing him for what was yet ahead. And then success, that would be age 30 to death. And he shines in this section as he was blessed by God in every way and extended undeserved forgiveness to his brother. So let's, let's start with him as a kid. Okay, so I already told you he had a bunch of brothers. He was favored by his father. His dad doted on him, even giving him a special coat. Now maybe you've heard it called the coat of many colors. Uh, that's a King James translation. Actually what it was was sort of a long sleeve tunic. Uh, something that you would wear maybe to a wonderful event while his brothers probably had outfits that had cut off sleeves or working in the hot sun and and old Joseph would show up in his super cool coat and kind of walk around him looking at them and they were very envious. Why doesn't he have to work out here like the rest of us? And then to make matters worse, he rats out his brothers. He goes home and tells on them to his dad and they're resenting him more and more every day. So much so they think, let's just kill him. Wow, really? Yes. They decided they wanted to kill their young brother. And, uh, and they were about to do it but they changed their mind when a group of Midianite slave traders were traveling by and they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. So now he's purchased by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a very powerful man. 
he was actually the head of sort of the secret service of the Pharaoh. This is a man that could have you executed at will. And Potiphar brought him into his house as a slave, but Joseph was so responsible, so hardworking, so full of integrity, that as Potiphar gave him more and more responsibilities, he ultimately put him in charge of his entire estate. Said, boy, you just run it. You're doing such a great job. But uh, Potiphar had a really psycho wife. Her name was Mrs. Robinson. No, that she, it was, that's, that's a movie, forget it. It's an old cultural uh, point. But she was like Mrs. Robinson, if you know the movie I'm talking about. And so she looked at this very handsome, muscular young man, and uh, she was far from subtle. She just basically said, why don't you have sex with me right now? And he was like, no way. And he kept his distance from her, but she persisted day in and day out. And then one time, uh, she had all the servants uh, leave the house, so it was just her and Joseph, and she grabbed him and pulled him down on the bed, and the Bible says that he ran out of that house as fast as he could. You know, sometimes when you're getting tempted, that's the best thing to do. You know, you're standing there saying, oh God, just give me strength right now. I'm in this hotel room with this girl, and I'm getting tempted. Get out of the hotel room, you idiot. No, I'm just praying for strength. No, you need to pray that your brain works. And then you need to pray that your hand works and turns the knob and walks out of the door because you shouldn't be there in the first place. A lot of times you're praying, oh Lord, help me in this place. Why are you in that place? And Joseph knew he needed to get out of that place. That's why the Bible says, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. There's a New Living Translation puts it, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. By the way, that verse is not just to young people. It's to all people. It says youthful lust. You can be old and still have youthful lust, right? So he ran from her, which was the right thing to do because he was a godly young man. And what does she do? She falsely accuses him of rape. And Potiphar sends him to prison. By the way, I think Potiphar knew Joseph was innocent, but he had to live with this psycho cougar chick, so he went along with it. <laughs> so that brings us to the next stage of Joseph's life as he is in prison. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg is introducing us to a biblical hero, Joseph, from Genesis chapter 41. We're seeing his integrity in spite of earth-shaking trials and troubles. How easily Joseph could have been so discouraged. How easily he could have said to God, Lord, I can't take this anymore. First, I'm sold by my brothers into slavery. And then this woman uh, tries to entice me and I resist her enticements as your word tells me to. And then she lies about me and now I'm in prison. This isn't fair. And it wasn't fair. But yet the Bible never tells us that Joseph said anything of the kind. He, in fact, he just carried on because Joseph had his dream. God gave him a dream when he was a young man. And in his dream, he knew he was gonna be placed in a position of influence and prominence. And when he told his brothers about it, it just ticked them off even more. Maybe God's given you a dream. Maybe a sense of where you're gonna go in your future and other people laugh at you or tear you down. 
And you just, you hang on to your dream if God has given you one. You know, I heard a story about a crab fisherman who uh, had a bucket full of crabs, but no lid. And a friend said to him, why don't you have a lid on your bucket of crabs? That won't they get out? And he says, oh, no problem. The moment one crab tries to escape, the others reach up and pull them back down. There's people like that, aren't there? You know, it's, it's easy maybe to offer a little sympathy to someone who's suffering. But if someone gets something wonderful or has something wonderful happen to them, now envy starts to kick in and you want to pull them down to where you are. And so here's Joseph. It makes no sense. He could have felt like God had forgotten him. But the Bible gives us one very important detail. Genesis 39, 21, it says the Lord was with Joseph. So sitting there in the dungeon, the Lord was with him. Listen, I'd rather be in a dungeon with God than anywhere else without him. I'd rather be in a storm with Jesus on board my boat than anywhere else without him. Maybe you feel like you're in a dungeon right now. Maybe it's a bad marriage. Maybe it's a really difficult job. Maybe it's a horrible sermon you're listening to right now. I'm joking, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's an illness. Or maybe it's a literal cell, and I know no one's in a prison in the place I'm speaking, but people watch us uh, in all kinds of interesting places, and I get letters from people who are incarcerated. So you never know who you're gonna reach with the word of God. But God was preparing Joseph for what was ahead. Meanwhile, over in Egypt, in the court of the Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet had a very unusual dream. Pharaoh dreamt that he was standing by the Nile River, and out of the river came seven healthy fat cows gazing among the reeds, and after that came seven other cows who were ugly and gaunt, and they ate up the seven healthy cows. Pharaoh thought, I knew I shouldn't have had that pizza with pepperoni last night. <laughs> but seriously, he was having a dream that was predicting the future of Egypt, and he woke up in a panic. What does this dream mean? So he calls in all of his uh, magicians and people that are supposed to interpret dreams for him and nobody was able to interpret it. They're clueless. And I left one detail out, really important thing. When Joseph was in the dungeon, the king's butler and the king's baker joined him in his cell. They both had troubling dreams and Joseph interpreted them for them. And then the baker was being released back to serve the king and Joseph said, remember your old buddy Joseph who interpreted your dream. When you get out of here, the baker said, absolutely. And he forgot all about Joseph. So suddenly the baker remembers, wait, uh, sir, there is a man I met in a prison cell who was able to interpret my dream. So now Joseph is brought up to the court of the Pharaoh. And that's where we start Genesis 41. That was the introduction, by the way. Genesis 41, verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was brought hastily from the dungeon. After a quick shave and a change of clothes, he went in and stood in Pharaoh's presence. I had a dream last night, Pharaoh told him, and none of these men can tell me what it means, but I heard that you can interpret dreams, and that's why I've called for you. Joseph boldly responds, Genesis 41, 16. It is beyond my power to do this, but God will tell you what it means and he will set you at ease. Wow, he was bold, wasn't he? He's gonna tell the Pharaoh now what this dream is all about. Not only tell him the meaning of the dream, he's gonna tell him the dream. He says, okay, Pharaoh, this is what's going on. 
those, uh, those seven cows that are ugly and gaunt eating the other cows, here's what it means. You're gonna have a time of famine. You're not gonna have enough food for your kingdom. So you need to start setting food aside now for when the famine comes. And if you do this, you'll have enough food to get you through the hard times. And you need to put someone over the food supply as you're starting to put it together. All the magicians are saying, me, me, me. And the Pharaoh says, I want you, son. And all of a sudden, Joseph, who was just the night before in a dungeon, is now the second most powerful man in the world, ruling over the food supply of Egypt. Unbelievable turn of events. And if the story ended here, it would have been an amazing one. But instead it culminates with one of the most amazing demonstrations of forgiveness ever extended. So fast forward many years, time has passed, Joseph looks like a completely different guy. He doesn't have the long hair and the beard of the, of the Hebrew. He looks like an Egyptian. He walks like an Egyptian. <laughs> he has cool Egyptian eyeliner and does those little moves. I don't know, you know. At least that's the way they look on the walls. And he didn't look anything like himself anymore. And, and what happened was the famine came, just as Joseph predicted. And so meanwhile, back home with the family, they're all hungry. And they hear that back in Egypt or over in Egypt they have a lot of food. So the family of Joseph goes to get food from him and they show up in his court and he looks at them and recognizes his brothers. But they don't recognize him. So he starts peppering them with questions about what's going on and asks questions that only a brother would know. And then this amazing scene unfolds, Genesis 45. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, starting in verse one. Joseph couldn't stand it any longer. Out, all of you, he cries to the attendants. He wanted to be alone with his brothers. Then he broke down and wept aloud and his sobs could be heard throughout the palace and the news was quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. And then Joseph said, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. I mean, imagine that moment. I am Joseph. <laughs> and they're thinking, we are dead, 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 dead. You're Joseph? Life is gonna end for us right now. They were rendered speechless. They were stunned to realize Joseph was standing there in front of them. Come over here, he said. They came closer and he said, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me, for God did it. Underline that. Don't be angry with yourselves for what you did to me, for God did it and sent me here ahead to preserve your lives. We'll stop there. What gave Joseph the grace to make a statement like that? This could have been the ultimate revenge story. If this was a movie, it all would have gone into slow motion as he killed each brother, killing each one in a different way than he killed the one before. And we would have said, yes. But that's not what happens. Instead, he forgives all of them. Pastor Greg Laurie with a great story of forgiveness today from the life of Joseph. 
And obviously, this study isn't finished yet. There's more to come on A New Beginning. Next time, join us for more insight from the life of Joseph about the value and importance of forgiveness. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Teenager Who Changed the World. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.